Hey, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast. I'm Paul Gillette, got Chris Palomares. A couple things I wanted to uh, ask you. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw on the web last night that you guys are getting ready to uh, do another release of the Dash 2 uh, SD45s. Right. Uh, this time, though, you'll have Tsunami 2 and... All the lights will be LEDs. That is correct. Wow, that's uh, that is incredible. And considering I've already done that to mine, I'm thinking, wow, he could have saved me a lot of time if he had done this a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, don't forget, there's some extras on there on top of that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there will be. You know, the uh, the companion to the SDP40Fs. That Santa Fe version where they notch the nose and stuff. That always yes. gets a lot of attention if I take it to the club and run a, uh, a big train. I'll emu it with a, an mm-hmm. F-45 uh, that's also Tsunami 2 and with uh, JT speakers. And it's just, the sound is incredible. The detail, people just love uh, the locomotive. So... I have gotten in. I mean, my wife is the one that encouraged me to join the club. Yeah. And because the train space allotted to me in the house is uh, a 12 by 8. And, you know, so I've been working on scenery here, been working on scenery over the club probably five days out of seven because my uh-huh. wife uh-huh. likes to sleep late. So I just go over, you know, like most clubs, you've got a got a security code and you've got 24-7 access. So I'll mm-hmm. go over there because I already have two projects. One's about ready to, to uh, wrap up. I had to build a tunnel entrance. And, uh, you know, when you move a big layout like that, there's damage. Uh, oh, incidental yeah. plus just taking it apart. And so there was a a tunnel coming out of a yard and it had to be cut up. So they said, okay, here, rebuild this tunnel and this mountain. And so I introduced static grass. I made the trees. Uh, and that's been fun. But I bet you I've got 70 hours in it, you know. Wow. <laughs> but they keep, I just, it's like on going back on the diesels and adding ground lights patterning after the way you did it because it's just another facet of replicating real life and so the static grass and stuff was instead of you know just ground foam you know Mm -hmm. we can do static grass so i said look i've got two static grass machines i will show you how to do this just ask me and making the trees (laughs) Do you know, or have you heard of a guy named, he's in Australia, uh, Luke Towen? Yes, I follow him on YouTube. Okay. I picked up, you know, Woodland Scenics has for years made the two-dimensional tree armatures. Yeah, it's like a uh-huh. uh, a, a menorah on, on steroids. And so, <laughs> right. So I was scanning through Luke's uh, list on YouTube, and I saw this headline about making realistic trees using the uh, armature. 
And so as I was uh-huh. going through the boxes upon boxes upon boxes of scenery items at the club, I came across all these packages, unopened packages of Woodland Scenics armatures. So I brought him yeah. home, looked at his video again and again and again. And so got out my tools. And of course, the first thing you do is bend these trees and the limbs curve them so that the, you know, the limbs point in all the directions and all that kind of stuff and trim off limbs and do whatever. So I followed him, followed his painting instructions. And then what? The part that never occurred to me when I looked at him before was in Australia, it's hikey, but over here we would buy it as a super tree kit. Oh, okay. And so you go in and you cut off the ends of all these branches off the trees you're not going to be able to use anyway because of the curvature and stuff on it. And then he uses hobby tack, just a little bit on the end, lets it start to firm up. Then he starts populating these little trim pieces on it, different sizes. So I grabbed instead of the hobby tack, because maybe it was just the humidity here, whatever, but it seemed like it would either get too hard too quick or would never get. So my wife had been doing some hobby stuff and she had some uh, Eileen's, it's called tacky glue, fast grab. You get it at Mm -hmm. uh, Michael's. And it dries clear just the way the hobby tack does. And so I put a little bit on there and I could actually touch it with the end of one of these little branches I was going to put on and feel that it was getting ready to set and put it in. Right. So I go over the whole tree once, you know, with appropriate sized little branches. Then I come back in and put a second layer, maybe with Uh a little bit of different height and spread and work my way around the tree, put a topper on it. And when I follow his, he uses a spray-on adhesive. And I was out of spray-on adhesive, but I had fragrance-free extra hold hairspray. Yeah. So I put that on and followed him how he dips it in the, the course, and then he goes to the fine, and he's got three stages. And puts a leaf on the end just as highlights. One thing I did that he didn't do was after I had the the gray bark color, I take a black ink or a black paint, wash, yeah, like a 80-20 wash, and with a big brush, go down it and let it flow. And it picks up the texture that's molded into that armature. Mm. And it just makes it pop. And then I cut the nub off the end and take a, I found some brads at the, at the club, real tiny, tiny, I wouldn't even call it a nail. That's why I said brad. And I just took one of my wife's candles there and hold this brad in the candle flame and then just uh-huh. insert it up the trunk. And that's how I oh. anchor it because... I was drilling them, and I don't know the specific makeup that these trunks are, but it's not just straight styrene or anything like that, because you can bend it a whole lot. It doesn't 
you know, fracture anything. And what it does, though, it gums up drill bits. And if you get a oh. one up in there too far, it can snap it off. Oh, no. And I went, well, crap. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> give me a candle. And the candle works really well. And, you know, you obviously you're using pliers. And uh, I've only been getting it up in there maybe three sixteenths of an inch and then a drop of fast acting uh, super glue mm-hmm. and because on this tunnel entrance and I had to build the hill out around it because it was next to a yard and there were a few other things I did it yeah. out of probably about 90% floral foam okay because floral foam is cheap you can't like I've got a a micro mark hot rod for cutting, but it won't work on floral foam. And neither would my old uh, tippy cutter that I'd gotten from Scenic Express. They no longer make them. That wouldn't work on mm-hmm. floral foam. But Zacto knife, uh, fine tooth hacksaw blade, just a blade by itself. You can score this, go down. And then sure form tools, either the curved one or the flat one, you can just, in a heartbeat, shape this stuff the way you want. Once I've got it on there, then I'll put on a single layer of uh, plaster cloth. And then I take spackle, cut it with water till it gets not runny, but it, it's not stiff. It, it flows like oatmeal. And then yeah. I coat it with that. And it'll leave a little texture. And then I'll paint it before I do the the static grass. And then so these trees, as I was populating this this hill, you know, that little nail goes right through that one layer of plaster cloth spackle and into the, the foam. There's no, you don't need a, a axe, you know, an ice pick to go in there and pre-do it. It's just a lot simpler than when we used to do, you know, multiple layers of plaster cloth on dense foam or, heaven forbid, you know, wire and plaster of Paris. So, right. but on these big trees, I'm looking at, those are six or seven inches over there, and they still need their second layer. But time I get down, i got like an hour, hour and 15 minutes per tree. And so I've made about 30 trees so far because I've got a big project coming up. We call it Meatloaf Mountain. It's apparently been part of the club for a couple decades. One of the guys was telling me, he said, yeah, I had to repair some damage 15 years ago onto it. So he was saying, just be careful. There's some framing underneath it and so forth. But it's, it is. It's big. <laughs> it must be six feet tall. <laughs> and it's about four feet wide. Mm-hmm. And it's about six or seven feet long. Mm-hmm. And the color that was put on it back then was, had kind of a reddish hue on it. And the guy sculpted the rocks on it and so forth. And one of the members came up to me and he said, what do you think about the color of that mountain? And I said, well, it's probably pretty appropriate for New Mexico, <laughs> maybe around uh, you know, Chama or Raton. I said, doesn't look too Texas-y. So 
I got approval for a project to repaint it, restain it, and you know, using the wash again to go into the crevices and bring out the relief. But I'm enjoying being a part of the club. Oh yeah, I bet. It's, it's kind uh, of fun to break out in the scenery, you know. I I like doing it. I'm going to give a a seminar here in another couple of weeks on a Saturday on weathering because everything oh, really? I have is weathered both chalk or not a chalk I use pigment uh, sometimes airbrushed washes and then artist oils streaking and mm-hmm. stuff like that and right. especially on tank cars artist oils with one of my wife's makeup pads you can just do the upper part of the curvature of a tank car and phase in the you know, the deep rust, the new rust, and then the, the fading paint back to the just dirty car very, very convincingly. So, mm. and yeah, the, there's two main lines here, and they're, I think both of them are 225 feet long. Oh, wow. So, I came in one day, and there was, Rex had one of his trains sitting on the main line, and I, I just kept walking and walking, and it was all, uh, Ather, many of them Genesis uh, tank cars, sixty oh, yeah. tank cars, and I said, "How many cars are there?" He goes, uh, "72." <laughs> and I went, "I said, well, I'm sure Ather appreciates your patronage." So, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I think. Wow. I did. I took my two cab forwards over, and. 52 of my 40 foot uh, stock cars, which were all uh-huh. Proto 2000 kits or else RTRs. And uh, with a caboose, that was pretty, made a pretty good looking train. It's just what a pain in the behind to carry that many boxes in. Even though I'm using wow, I bet. Axiom boxes and I've got uh, A line boxes for the steam locomotives that way I don't have to keep taking them apart and putting them together and risk running a, a harness so but yeah it's turning to be a lot of fun especially I mean it's too hot to do anything outside it was like 96 again today no oh, welcome back to Phoenix right yeah yeah it was only <laughs> uh, 89 or 90 there <laughs> plus it's dry here it's humid so yeah my wife and I got in the, the pool. The pool water's still at 82, which is just borderline my comfort level. It gets any, <laughs> I don't care what the outside temperature is. That just, you know, when you, and I just jump in. I don't try and walk down the steps and gradually acclimate. I just jump in and, you know, take a big <laughs> breath. And then it, it uh, you know, your body does adjust to it, but... I went, okay, when the cold front finally gets here and we start seeing days only in the uh, mid-80s next week, the nights will be in the 60s. So I'm going, okay, no more swimming, no more. Yeah. (laughs) Winter's coming. Yes, it is. You already cold? Uh, Not really. It was about 80 degrees up here today. Okay. Well, that's... (laughs) I've... I'm learning the train schedule around here. 
because we're up mm-hmm. here northeast of Dallas in Plano. Right. And there's a not talking about the the warehouse sightings and all that kind of stuff for all the industry uh, in the south part of uh, town, but there's a it's it's a branch line. It's still jointed rail, uh, mm. and it runs way the heck east and it goes way the heck and then it turns north and goes up towards McKinney where there's a brand new uh, intermodal yard hmm. and what railroad's this mainly what I oh Kansas City Southern oh KCS okay yeah uh, typically what there will be on the lead uh, will be two and it can be the old red KCS or it can be the Red, black, and yellow, uh, that real good-looking paint scheme. Oh, and yeah. They'll, they'll be in various levels of grime and stuff. The other day, there was a – I saw the headlights coming, so I just pulled into a parking lot. And, you know, then pretty soon I started hearing it uh, sounding the horns. And it was mm-hmm. like two units up front, maybe just 20 uh, very small – 3,500, maybe 4,000 cubic foot covered hoppers, mm. and then two more units pushing. I'm going, wait a minute. <laughs> That's just 20, 20 cars. Why do we need four units on there? Unless he yeah. was building a train. Yeah. But it's it's signaled, and but I went, by golly, this is 39-foot jointed rail. So it's it's cool, heavily weathered. But it's there's no weeds or anything on the track. They they maintain that. So another one of my friends, Chris Adkins, who has he's the guy I've got to re-interview him because the recorder failed when I was talking to to Chris. He's the guy whose property has the hundred-year-old Texas and Pacific crew bunkhouse on it. Yeah. And then the old T&P runs at the end of his acre or so there. You know, the trees are there now, but you hear it go by. And he built his home. He bought the lot with the building and then built his home there. Mm. Well, this thing is enormous, this this layout. And it's already two layers, two levels. He's got a great big helix to install. And he is another fanatic for realism and detail. So, uh, interesting, interesting guy. So, he lives up, it's about 30 minutes away. But, so, meeting a lot of, a lot of interesting people. We've got at least one MMR in the club. And... He built a steel mill Mm. because apparently he was in the steel industry for quite a while. And this thing's about 10 feet by four feet. And it it just, my mouth dropped open when I first saw it, when they were reinstalling it. He was there to guide the reinstalling and stuff. And it's just, because it was most of it scratch built. Wow. And, oh, the weathering and stuff on this is 
golly, my dad was in the steel industry, so I'm going, hey, I've seen this as a kid. <laughs> excellent, yep. excellent modeling. Uh, so anyway, so what's new in Chris's world? Not a whole lot, really. I've been uh, working a lot, so, <laughs> so that only means that there's there's neat stuff coming. So well, I, I haven't had any time to sit down and actually do any of my own personal projects, which I've been really, really wanting to do. I I have a an SPSD forty R that just got to maybe three more things I got to do, and then I can finish touching up the paint on it, put on some decals and yeah. hallelujah, it's done. <laughs> so yeah, it's just getting across the finish line has been really, really tough lately. Oh, I understand that. I finally created a workspace with a bench or not a bench, but a table and a chair where I could sit down. Oh yeah. And uh, so while I'm waiting for the trees glue to dry, then I'm, getting caught up on about four or five DCC and speaker installs, mm -hmm. lights and all that stuff. Cool. And so, and I, I bought a fold up work table so I can actually set it up in the family room when there's no company or anything here. Yeah. And be, you know, and spend the time in the room with my wife if she's reading or watching TV down there. Mm -hmm. But now I've got a space in a bedroom up here. So, uh, right. To do it, I can have my soldering gun out and all that stuff like that. Uh, it's C and O, B and O mm -hmm. had SD nines most mostly on the B and O side, and when the chassis system merged and the, those new colorful rainbow colored locomotives came out in the early seventies, mm -hmm. so. I think I had one Chessy system. It was a Atherin uh, SD40-2. And yeah. I put sound and stuff in it, but I put MVP lenses in it because it's always a trailing unit. And But it still runs good. And I thought, you know, having come from Huntington, <laughs> you know, a major shop complex of CNO, I need some Chessy stuff. So I thought, I'm going to look around for some SD9s. And so I found three of them. And two of them are just brand new, never been out of the box because they were first-generation lifelike. Yeah. So, you know, they were already into the 2000s. And I remoted them because, you know, they had the big, really power-hungry lifelike motor. So I remoted them. Yeah. And... Then I got looking, and I thought, I'd like to have a couple more. Well, <laughs> Walther's or Lifelike only made them in two two numbers, I think, 1840 oh, really? and 1839. So oh, I no. ended up buying, find some. I went, well, okay, I got an 1840 and three 1839s. So I went on, went searching for some Chessy System microscale decals so I could uh – -huh. And used a little bit of rubbing alcohol to get the last number because they were in the 1830 uh, series. I looked them up and got the last number off so that I can pull off two numbers here. And then the 
the one that's in B&O blue, which I've already weathered, I'm going to patch the cab of it just right below the window and over the mm -hmm. battery covers. I'll spray it with Chessie Yellow and then take a couple of these decals and renumber it from the B&O number of 700-something to in the 18s for that. And that'll give me four or five of these things. I just, they sound good uh, with JT speakers in them. They're economies. Oh, I bet. And I put, you know, ground lights on them and stuff. And they just, when they're, I've got your speed table that you sent me in there. And yeah. you know, at, a, at 30 miles an hour with, you know, 20, 25 car freight behind two of them. They just look good and sound good. I bet. Oh, I bet. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying about playing catch-up and getting up with all that. <laughs> so, yeah, the, 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 I have a couple projects that I've been really, really anxious to get to, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that things kind of let up a little bit and I can set down and really focus in on a couple of these uh, freight car and locomotive projects I got lined up. So, Yeah, but you're getting ready to go into a really busy show season, aren't you? Yeah, sort of. Um, or is that mainly hit after the first of the year? Yeah, that hits after the first. Then, then there's, there's more kind of whipping around. Heading out to Springfield, heading out to Denver, Colorado, oh, and we might even be up in St. Paul, Minnesota at one point in February. Okay. So uh, every month's going to be going somewhere, but I'm kind of hoping throughout the holidays, at least uh, I might be able to have a little bit more time to kind of do something for myself for a change, <laughs> you know? Well, we've got the Plano show at the... I'll say convention center, that's not what they call it, but, you know, it's like four miles from my house. And mm -hmm. it's normally a two-day affair in the mm -hmm. middle of October. And it's been that way for years. And somehow, the, the show people booked Saturday, I guess maybe presuming that the... Scheduling people at the convention center knew it was always two days. They didn't. There's a big wedding reception <laughs> booked on Sunday, so oh, it's only no. So it's only one day this year. So all the member clubs have agreed to have an open house on that Sunday. So I volunteered to work at the show on the opening of it, and then I'll be at the the club if they need me to run trains or whatever for the for the open house but i went okay next time let's uh, make sure we book two days for this yeah no so, joke wow <laughs> and obviously i've never been but i'm looking forward to it i went to an nmra meeting a divisional nmr meeting a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. and a couple guys from the club belong and then another railroad friend said hey why don't you come? He said, I think you'll enjoy this. So went up, turned out it was like 10 minutes from the house. And they used a, a meeting room at this church up there. And it's called uh, Greenville, I think, Greenville, Texas. And so 
got up there and it was like, I don't know, 15, 20 people there. And, you know, the, the obligatory pots of coffee and box upon box of glazed donuts. <laughs> so, uh, interesting people. And I'd never been to an MRA division meeting. I had no idea what to expect, but very nice people. Uh, there's, besides, you know, news and events, uh, there's a show and tell where guys will just a very quick synopsis of a project they're doing. And then uh, one of the members apparently will then give a about an hour long presentation on a project. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, that it's done by about noon, 1230. So the guy, he's a in-scale model railroader. They gave yeah. a presentation on how he makes his street lights. Huh. That'd be and, interesting. Yeah. He had photos of how he makes his own jigs to bend the pipe or the tubing, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the sizes of LEDs he uses, this and that and this and that. And it was fascinating. And even at N-Scale, these things look real. <laughs> I went, wow. And then they make it available on their uh, – website so you can download it if you want to so i'm probably going to join it it's like 75 bucks a year and that gives you the magazine and some other stuff but and interestingly enough there were five or six women in attendance oh how about that yeah uh the one lady was by herself the others were wives but their participants in their husband's hobby. Oh, yeah, I nice. do all the scenery. I make the trees. I do this. I do that. Yeah, I remember when I was, after retiring, working at an affair with trains and feeding. It was not uncommon on Saturday morning to have a number of women either coming in with their husband or by themselves buying scenery items. How about that? Yeah, I'd like to special order some cows, please. I'm building a farm scene. Yes, ma'am, you may, (laughs) which I think is good. So that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, Pam thought she wanted my wife thought she wanted to do that. So we bought one of the uh, Walther's Merchant Road kits Mm -hmm. that lasted five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, "Okay, we're going to mask this off. We're going to paint it. To get it to look like the box illustration, because the uh, the basic plastic is never that colorful or pretty. And she right. goes, uh, "Okay, I'll watch you." <laughs> so I ended up okay. Next time, honey, don't do that. Just <laughs> you don't have to do that. So yeah, are you still in the Fremo group? Uh, I'd like to be, but okay. I I haven't really had enough time on the backside to really participate as much as I'd like to. So it's Paul, no joke. This summer has been the, the summer of, uh, of Athern. So, oh, really? yeah. so based upon your comment, a lot of new products coming down the pike. There are a lot. Okay. There, there's, I'd say four local, that we're okay. going to be announcing and 
and uh, some an item of that's a roll a, a rolling stock piece. So cool. Lots well, of now, lots of neat stuff. Interestingly enough, uh huh. When we lived in uh, New Orleans, I already had a number of auto carriers. You know, the fully enclosed, and even had some of the exact rail the the ones from the early 70s where they shipped the Vegas oh, yeah, you know, without those, fluids yeah. on their end. Mm-hmm. And I thought, now I've got a number of your Genesis articulated and mm-hmm. stuff there. I thought, you came out with the first edition uh, double-decker with either just sideboards or open, but, you know, no enclosure or anything. Right. So I found a couple at the hobby store there in uh, New Orleans and bought them and weathered them up. Didn't grunge them, just lightly weathered them. And then I thought, you know, this will look good with those uh, couple high cube boxes and the uh, Vega cars, the uh, uh, Vertipacks. Uh-huh. And so then I went, found two more on eBay. Oh, really? You can't find them in a hobby store. Really? Yep. And because I'd been to this huge hobby store here and you had a lot of your stuff, but I was looking for those. And so I found two more and these are all brand new in the box. And the one guy said, he said, these are impossible to find. And he said, my understanding is Atherin has no immediate plans to rerun these. And I thought, I think I shall ask Chris. (laughs) (laughs) They obviously are popular. Yep. Yes, they are. Um, Okay. We're actually looking at improving those at this time. All right. So, yeah, that's why they're, they're becoming scarce. You know, if you kind of look around, at some of our other products, it's like the SD40 is a good example. Those went off for a few years, and then you know we did some we did some new tooling and brought them back, okay. and people were happier than ever about them. You know, so yeah, that, that's that's kind of the the behind the scenes story on that right now. So okay. we're we're interested in working on them. Um, well, we'll just have to see how it goes, you know. <laughs> well, no, I understand. There's priorities. You've got a line. It was just a comment because they are such beautiful cars. Yeah. And there's no option to them. When you look at some of the older kits mm-hmm. and you compare it to the fidelity of scale and detail on, on your Genesis version, I mean – I'm sorry, I'm not going to run this, you know, brand X. And they're older, and I understand that may have been state-of-the-art tooling and injection molding capability back then. But when you compare it with what can be had today, if you're lucky enough to find one of your cars, then you yeah. go, oh, wow, these aren't even in the same league. Right. Yeah, because I found a number of kits, and I went, no, I'm not going to do that. So, 
Right. Yeah, it's, you know, I've even thought of, I've sold a number of my locomotives uh, just because I went, one that didn't have space, especially in this house. And Mm -hmm. even though this house is bigger than the other one, it's just the layout and the closets and stuff like that where the difference is. But so I sold them and got a decent price out of them and uh, sold some cars, stuff like that. And then you came out with that new powered mechanism for the tunnel motors. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had I placed an early order for that. And then, you know, when the fair with trains closed the, the storefront, you know, I guess he got a communication from Atherne saying, we can't deliver this product to you because you're no longer a storefront. They said, it's what he emailed me. And I went, well, crap. So I ended up selling the uh, the three tunnel motors, and oh uh, really? Yeah, and they had you know I'd converted all the lights. They were tsunami twos. Oh uh, boy! Yeah, but that's okay. I got a little bit higher price for them, and now I'm going. All right, if I can find a couple of Chris's new mechanisms, I'll look at buying a couple <laughs> more uh, yeah. SB bodies and put them on there. Yeah, or or just get the the over the counter offering. <laughs> Those oh, are pretty the, nice too. Yeah. The yeah the uh, ready to run. Yep. Okay. I uh. So, on your new product, is there a no scale box car for Jim in there? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> Just for him. Just just for Jim, <laughs> a Pullman standard box car, O scale. <laughs> yeah. That's we, right. Yeah. I think some of the guys at the club, and this is, I think, is very common, actually engage in a couple scales. Uh huh. Like a number of them are H, O, and N, but I think I've talked to one or two that, well, yeah, I do O scale too. And Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm thinking, wow, that is neat. So, more fuel for Jim to uh, harangue on Chris to get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no joke. (laughs) Get a proto uh, 48 boxcar. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely in his future, I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, I mean, judging by the photos he's been putting up of the track work and stuff, I mean, he is uh, an artist at mm-hmm. turnout building and track work. Jimmy's doing oh, yes. a heck of a job there. Yep, so, outstanding work. Oh, yeah. Keith, I'm going, golly, why don't you come to my house? I'll have you relay all this track. Uh, <laughs> Now, yeah, put on the work, huh? <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I picked up from Ken Patterson's, you know, what's neat uh, program was how he pre solders his flex track. Mm-hmm. And that had never occurred to me. I'd soldered track afterwards. And so when I was rebuilding the 
railroad there in New Orleans so I could tear it down yet again. I did that and I was amazed at how that simplified even through curves and you know easements and coming out of curves soldering. Oh yeah. Did. Oh, I went so downstairs when I did it. I I didn't do nine foot because it's not that big, but I did do six foot and then put it in, align it, solder it, you know, put in the copper clad uh, to hold the gauge at the joints and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, golly, Ken, excellent idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Patterson's got some uh, good stuff on that show of his. Yeah, he, he has some pretty good ideas and the the guests that he gets to to join him are you know they're always kind of like at the bleeding edge it seems like on on you know modeling techniques and things like that that are just you know so out there and out there in a good way you know totally new ways of doing stuff and it's, it's just so fun to kind of hear yeah Ken's sort of progress as he develops these new ideas and approaches and stuff the uh you know the expanded edition of model railroad hobbyist mm-hmm. this month there's one of the things that caught my eyes i was uh scrolling through the pages on my phone was the gentleman doing one scene at a time mm-hmm. and his scenery and track work and stuff. I was just enthralled. Oh, really? Oh, I went. So I'm going to go back, read it again. And, oh, yeah, just some of the, you know, the effects, the realism he achieved was just incredible. There were a number of good articles uh, on this one. So I've got to renew my subscription uh, on that. But it's well worth to me well worth the money so plus it you know just helps the overall viability of uh model railroad hobbyists so oh uh, speaking of model railroad hobbyists and sd40 t-2s <laughs> i was over at uh the national train show and joe fugate had a kind of a a wreck damage SD40 T-2. I, I, I guess the, what happened is locomotive accidentally got knocked off the layout and it hit the floor, <sighs> crushing the front pilot a little bit. And there was some damage to the snowplow. And this was one of his locomotives that he was doing a, um, I think an ebook on or um, a, a modeling series. Okay. Kind of uh, based on runs like a dream and he, he was going through some of the detail that he added. The idea was to make a really good operator's model, something that, that he could scale up to his entire fleet. So okay. this was the, the flagship. And of course, like most flagships, it sank. So I have it over at the repair yard on my, my, uh, my desk over here. And <laughs> Okay. I, I was hoping to get to it a lot sooner than, than what I have so far. But uh, what I, I'm anticipating getting a, 
I'm also in a kind of transition between different video cameras right now. So I, I'm okay. trying to find a good video camera that I can start filming the, my repair progress on, on his locomotive. So uh, I, that's a, that's one of the projects I got lined up, but um, yeah, it'd be great to get, get to that. And Hey Joe. Yeah. By the way, I haven't forgotten about your tunnel motor. It's right over here behind <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> well, how far did it drop so, off the table? I, uh, you know, I think it was uh, whatever he's building his uh, table height to. So I bet it was about fifty inches. And all it did was just damage more. the pilot and stuff. Well, as heavy as those things are, <laughs> I would have expected it to come apart in pieces. Yeah, well, yeah, there there was some there's some good damage on on that okay. pilot. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna have to to pull out some some modeling magic and go through <laughs> okay. some of the repair work that I that I ended up doing to it. I think I have a a way to to fix the crack pilot and kind of like restraddle the step well back around and reattach it to the the pilot face and all that stuff. So it'll okay. it'll be definitely easier to show that on video than try to describe it in, in written text. So, <laughs> okay. but you know, it kind of got me thinking, it's like, you know, something like that of just like, yeah, here, here's an accident and here's what I went about you know, to go correct. It might, other people might find that useful. So I think it's a good idea to just redocument that in some fashion, whether it be a video photos or just, written text or whatever you know just keep a good log of that stuff around so okay now let me because this was suggested to me uh the operating system there at the club is uh cvp's easy dcc uh-huh and they've got different throttles and uh one of the guys goes, no. He said, you don't have to go buy your own throttle. He said, here's, you know, they look like walkie-talkies. He said, or just download uh, one of the throttles onto your iPhone. Yeah. So I use uh, We Throttle, W-I-T-H-R-O-T-T-L-E. And, of course, you can't program with it. You can turn on F buttons and stuff, but you can't program on it so there's program track and you know decoder pro on this computer and stuff where you can do that and right. so one of the guys says because i was consisting three locomotives and he said let me give you a shortcut he said program all three of them to the same number and i went okay and he said then you don't have to consist it and he said, just program, if you always lead with the same, he said, program the lights and that. He said, on the others, just turn off the horn volume, the, the bell volume, anything else you don't want, turn the headlights off if you don't want them. And then that way, you just put in 3251, and if you've got three locomotives there, and I yeah. went, that is so simple. So I did it. And I went, wow, that works. <laughs> so, <laughs> so before, you know, because as I mentioned, this is small, so all the 
intermodal trains, passenger trains and stuff are migrating to the to my lockers there at the at the club. But I've done that to my CSXE units that pull the you know theoretical corporate train and I went wow I just in the trailing unit which has ground lights and the number lights because I put number board lights in them mm -hmm. I want it on I just have them always on and it just yeah. I went, gosh this is just so simple there's none of this is it facing forward you know or reverse <laughs> it's just you you know it's, yeah it works like a charm so well that's what they say advanced consisting is it's supposed to be a way to change the decoder address without having to change the decoder address so right yeah but so, you know yeah if i have a problem then i just take it over the program track and go up to cv19 and look for a make sure it's got a zero uh value and if mm -hmm. it doesn't just zero it out and make sure the loco number is the same so it uh it's just life got a lot simpler so <laughs> yesterday i got ready to take my cf7s over and because they're just a neat locomotive mm -hmm. and i've remoted them all with you know your latest rtr motor and they're all economic and on the two trailing units I used MVP lenses front and rear. They're oh, really? always going to be trailing in it. The MVP is such a realistic, you know, headlight, even when it's off. Yep. And so the third in there, the cab was different. And I went, why is that cab different? Because then I remembered after I put all of KV's etch metal grill covers and shutters in them and mm -hmm. I had to repaint them I had to strip them and repaint them which was part of the blog piece I did and then somehow I screwed up the cab on the last unit so I had to search around buy oh, a body oh. and I used the cab and now the cab's bright because your yellow doesn't match the ATSF yellow in whatever brand of paint I had, Model Flex or whatever. And I went, okay, okay, not a problem. I'll put a paint wash or something on it and tone it down a little bit and cover it with uh, weathering. And then so I crank up the throttle and the motor comes on and the sound comes up, but it doesn't go anywhere. Uh -oh. And so as I touch it, it rolls. And I went, there's no drive shaft. <laughs> I think what happened when we were getting ready to move, I just put it together real quick, and now I've got to go back and just put <laughs> put the drive shafts in it so it's no longer a, a sound dummy. <laughs> I, went, I went, okay, that explains a lot. Oh, because when I remotored it to get get your hex drive, yeah, put in the uh, the new Athern uh, worm gear. Uh, yeah, let's go cut these A line uh, adjustable shafts and put in there, then it'll run. <laughs> now, here, now, this is this'll this blows my mind. 
So uh -huh. all of the P2K era things that I've rebuilt, remotored with either Kato or your RTRs, mm -hmm. all of the worm gears have had pretty much the same gear cut, you know, the little square bearings and all that stuff. Right. So two of the newer protos that I got, they still say lifelike on them, even though the packaging is, is totally different. Uh, but on a fuel tank, it says, yeah, uh, lifelike proto 2000 or whatever. So when I remotored the first two, they were old enough. They had the old style worm gears. The two new ones, which have a much smaller motor, but I was doing it, so I went ahead and took it out, put it in. They have totally different worm gears. And I'm going, because I lost one of the worm gears. I have no idea where. <laughs> oh, no. Small room, lost it. And so I put, got an atherin, went out and plopped it in. And it bound because the bevel was cut in the opposite direction. Oh, no. Yeah, and I went, this is so weird. <laughs> so, so right now, I can't find any of these. And it's a real small circular bearing. It's mm. smaller than any I've ever seen. And I went, wow. And I looked at some of my other current production proto stuff, like some of the E units, and I went, they're not even like that. Yeah. So would they, you know, use up old parts or something on this SD9? So one of them has a, uh, it's just going to be the front truck will just be powered, you know, because oh, wow. I can't find a worm gear for the back. And then the newest one I've got sitting here, it's got one of the new smaller, more efficient motors. And so I cut the weight down to make room for the speaker and for the uh, economy to go in there. And I thought, I am not popping that gear out of there because I am not going to risk losing another one of these oddball worm gears. It's just really frustrating that went you know yeah. why did they do this so who knows hey paul it sounds course, like a good candidate for doing a you know put a cotto motor in it type video where we'll we'll try to figure out a uh, an improved drive for it too well but i'd have to re-gear the motor or put all new gears in the truck take the tower apart i'd say switch out the entire thing over to like a rail power oh rail power type drive and put on a cotto motor in the rail power drive and then you have sort of more standard type uh trucks on it too okay because you know it's got that special sd sd9 truck and you got mm -hmm. a lot of detail on them uh, and these two new ones will run together the others have yeah. Uh, speed matched and not a problem. So yep. it's one of them. So I had these three RTR motors. Two of them right out of the box are just in perfect sync. And the other is a sprinter. 
Go figure. Yeah, they came from your store at the same time. And so finally, I had taken that speed table and I didn't have any volt volts going to the motor to about speed step five. And it was still running away from wow. the others. So I went, okay. So when I do that, set these up and do the testing on them later this week, then I'll, you know, if it still runs that crazy, I'll just buy another motor and put in it, or it'll become a totally sound, sound dummy. <laughs> and I'll just, because these things are heavy enough and got enough traffic, tractive effort that don't, I just think three units look good. I don't need, you know, three units powering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although when I did have that 25 feet of, uh, oh, shoot, the dual stack well cars and uh, your spline cars, one of those, the F-45 with Tsunami 2, wouldn't pull it. It would would start spinning. And Mm. so I put in the SDF. Uh, 40-2 that stable made to the STP40Fs that you guys came out with and the yep. two of them together worked fine because I'd already tuned the 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 uh, speed tables together and I went good grief I actually needed two locomotives on here to <laughs> uh, pull this thing because your spine cars you get a bunch of those on there and those uh, Gunderson twin stacks with those metal bodies, that gets heavy in a hurry. I bet. I yeah, bet. It I don't know. Does. I don't know what kind of metal you guys put in it, but it wasn't aluminum. <laughs> it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's heavy. All right. What else going on? Well, I'm 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 looking forward to Train Fest here. We're coming into October, and you know, Train Fest is about a month away. And okay. Um, and then also we're, we're talking about uh, meeting up in Springfield. Is that yes. still happening on your side? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, fact, my wife says, I guess you want to go up by train, don't you? And I said, yeah, I could take a train from, you know, Dallas, make it over, go up to Chicago. And uh, Amtrak goes right through Springfield. Yep. I'm going to be on that train. Are you? Okay. And yeah, so if you if you come out um, here, let me let me look up my wrenches. Yeah, send me a text with the information. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you what I got. Because I'm coordinating with. There's a group from the club always go, and so find out where they're staying and all that stuff. Because uh, Chris or the other Chris said, yeah, well, if you're HO, he said you'll spend at least two days. He said, "Yep." Oh, and in he said, "You might be able to squeeze it in a day." He said, "But you're gonna, H.O. You're gonna be there for two full days." And so my wife's gone. Hey, take your time, enjoy it. So, oh, cool. Oh yeah, she's very supportive. She goes, she wanted to take a trip to Italy, and there was some things came up, and we couldn't make that happen. I said, "I tell you what, I got a probably just as neat idea." I said, why don't we fly to either uh, Montreal or Toronto 
and take the Canadian all the way over to Vancouver and we can visit your cousin and her husband Mike. I said, we'll go through Kicking, ha uh, Kicking Horse Pass. If we did in the winter, it'd probably be snow. We'll get mm -hmm. uh, uh, bedrooms. Yep. I said, just leave some room in your suitcase for a couple days worth of books. <laughs> I said, this isn't going to be a, a, an overnight trip. And she's going, you know what? We can do that. She said, we'll just fly home. I said, yeah. Or I could take the train down to L.A. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then fly from L.A. over here. Because so, I think they have a station stop at uh, John Wayne Airport, which keeps you out of LAX. Yep. So, but yeah, send me the information. Sounds like a train trip coming up here in, when is that, January? Yeah, I might, I might be seeing you on that train. <laughs> That'd be cool. That That'd would be, be cool. cool. Yeah, we can do some live uh, recording. Yeah, we'll just have to have uh, Jim come pick us up or something. <laughs> yeah, he's only a couple hours away. He'll be our Uber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, I tell you what, I hope this thing is recorded. It's showing that yeah. it's recorded. Okay. Well, And I'll let you know if I need your recording. It's uh, already, it, it automatically drops into Dropbox on the conclusion on that. And what you'll see too is the one that we last did. Okay. So, so it's on our drop box up there. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'll All be right. there. Well, this has been good. So. Yeah. Yeah. And feel free to check out the earlier one or, or maybe you could use something from there. I don't know. Yeah. I might be able to graft it in and I'm going to probably add uh, Chris Atkins to this too. Edit okay. It. All right. Cool. Chris, you have a good night, buddy. All right. You too. All righty. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.